Say hello to our friends that are tuning in online, my friends, Greg and Amanda in Florida. I'm a little jealous. I hope it's nice and warm, but I hope you come back to visit us sometime soon. And for the rest of you out there, thanks for tuning in with us today. Uh, it's been a really exciting weekend in the Neville household because yesterday our second son, Ben, turned 13 years old, right? That's a big, that's a big day. So we've been having birthday celebrations. On Friday night, he got to go out to dinner with some friends, and yesterday he got to open all kinds of gifts. And it was exciting the way that birthdays should be. Now, my birthday is in January, and I turned 43, and it's really not that sexy, let's be honest. Nobody gets excited about their 43rd birthday, but you know what? My friends made me feel special on that day because that's what you're supposed to do on your birthday, right? And so today is the one-year birthday of this greater initiative that Paul's talking about. That's why we're having cupcakes in the lobby, and we're going to talk about that more in just a moment. But I, wanna, I want you to know this. If you're new or you're visiting, and I know what you're thinking, great. They're talking about money, and I came here. I just want you to hang with us because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about what God has been doing through the history of our church and what we believe he's called us to in the future. And I want you to know it's really, really, really exciting. And we can't wait to talk about all that with you guys. We've also been reading through scripture from the beginning of the year. And so far as of today, okay, we have read through as a church family, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And today we enter into the sixth book of the Old Testament, Joshua. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 1 right now. If you don't, there are two tables in the back of the rooms with Bibles. If you, if you take one of those, that is our gift to you. You can keep it. But turn to Joshua chapter 1. And if you've never heard of this guy Joshua before, here's what you need to know. This is really all you need to know about Joshua. He was mentored by and was the successor to one of the greatest leaders in all of human history a guy by the name of Moses, right? Everybody's heard of Moses. And Moses is the guy that God called and selected to be the man to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and eventually into the promised land. And not only that, if you've been tracking through Moses's life, you know this, he had a really special, close, intimate relationship with God. Scripture tells us that when God and Moses talk, they talk like friends talk to one another. Now, I want you to imagine you're Joshua. Can you imagine taking over for that guy? Like those are some really, really big shoes to fill and to add just a slight degree of difficulty. The people that Moses had been leading and the people that Joshua now had to lead had a long history and a very bad habit of being stubborn and rebellious to God. In fact, their rebellion against God led them to wandering in the wilderness for 40 years so an entire generation of people would die out. Now imagine you're Joshua and you're the guy that has to lead these people. Don't you think that would be just a little overwhelming if not just totally consuming, right? His story is epic, and we're going to read about it in the week to come. And when you stop and think about it, Joshua's story is a lot like a lot of the stories that you and I enjoy on the, TV, on the movie screen, right? I'm a huge Lord of the Ring fan, right? So how many of you like the story of Frodo Baggins and, Frodo Baggins and his seemingly impossible quest to destroy the Ring of Power at Mount Doom, right? It's a great movie. Or some of you are Harry Potter fans, and so Harry Potter's got this mission to destroy Lord Voldemort, or there's Luke Skywalker and his calling to defend and protect the galaxy. And who could forget Lloyd and Harry and their journey to take that suitcase of cash back to Aspen, Colorado, to Mary, is it Swanson or Samson? I can't remember, right? 
We love stories like that, but here's the thing. Joshua's story is epic, but unlike all those other stories, Joshua's story is real, it's true. It's historical. It is recorded for us in this Old Testament book of Joshua, and here's what's fascinating about it. Joshua had this impossible task, but what we're gonna see is that God committed to be in it with him everywhere he went, right by his side. In fact, I want you to see what Joshua chapter one, verse one says. The book of Joshua begins this way. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, this is God speaking to Joshua. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. Verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised to Moses. Now this is huge because God is speaking to Joshua and says, look, I know that Moses is dead, but you're my guy. And here's what I want you to know. The mission's still the same and I am committing to being with you everywhere you go. Look at what he says next in verse five. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Listen to these words. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Those words are repeated time and time again throughout scripture. This is God speaking directly to Joshua. Now, how would that be for a shot of encouragement if you're Joshua? God has basically said, I am guaranteeing that you will succeed. I'm, I'm guaranteeing it. Now, does that mean it would always be easy? If, if you've been following along in the reading, can you tell me one part of Moses's journey with these people that has been easy? Was it easy for Moses to convince Pharaoh to let the people go? Was it easy for Moses to lead them as they crossed the Red Sea when the Egyptians were trying to kill them? Do you think it was easy for Moses to lead these people as they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years because of their rebellion against God? Now, Moses had got to see God do some amazing things in and through him and for the people, but I don't think any of them were easy. Amazing, yes, easy, I would say not so much. And so I want you to take a moment to imagine that you are Joshua right now. You are in, this is your life. This is your story. God is saying, look, I want you to pick up where my servant Moses left off. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will make you successful. Now I've thought about this. If I were Joshua, this is what I think I would say to God. God, thank you so much. I am super honored. Like, wow, this is such an honor. And I, you did such amazing things for my friend Moses. Thank you. I just have one small request. I am happy to help you. Can you please make it not so hard? Can you please just take down the challenge level just a little bit? Pretty, pretty, please. Now we chuckle at that, but don't you pray for things and kind of insinuate that? God, I would love for my kids to stand out. I would love for my kids to be successful. I would love to be great at what I do with my life, but can you just please make it easy? Because I'm afraid and I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't think I've got what it takes. God, please just make it easy. Well, I think God sensed some apprehension and some fear in Joshua's heart. And I want you to pay very close attention to the verses we're getting ready to jump into. They're gonna sound really familiar. They, they could go on a coffee mug. They are that, they're that good. But I want you to pay attention to a pattern where we see God speaking to Joshua. Listen carefully to what God says to him, okay? Verse six starts and says this, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. 
Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then in verse nine, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this be strong and courageous language before. In fact, if you've been reading along, I found this fascinating. At the end of Deuteronomy, this phrase comes up on a couple of occasions. So here's my question. Why would God repeat that to Joshua three times? Was it because he had a bad memory? If he was over 40, yes, probably he did, right? He needed the reminder three different times, right? Me. But I think this is fascinating. I discovered this this week. I have never seen this before. Each one of the times that God says that, he is tying it to an amazing promise that he's making to Joshua. So I wanna walk through all three of them with you real quick, and I want you to pay close attention. This blew my mind. I think it'll blow yours too. Look at verse six. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And so right away, God is saying, I am gonna fulfill my promise that I made to Abraham several hundred years before to bring his family, the Israelites, into this promised land. So God says, you be strong and courageous. I'm gonna keep my word. That's good to know, right? God is saying, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm committing to do. Now, on top of that, it's, it's worth noting that this was gonna take a military campaign. It was gonna require strength and resilience from Joshua. And so God's saying, you be strong and courageous. I'll keep my word. Now, look at verses seven and eight. Be strong and very courageous. Pay attention. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Look at this. We talked about this last week. Meditate on it day and night. Now this part of the command speaks to God's power that is available to God's people through God's word. And the emphasis is, Joshua, you be strong and courageous. I want you to know and trust and follow and obey my word so that it can shape your character and strengthen your faith as you go into this land because you're gonna need every ounce of it to push those people out of there. Now, here's what's interesting. This is the main reason we are reading through scripture together in 2021 as a church family because we absolutely believe there is power in God's word. There is power in God's word to transform our lives, to encourage us every day. And we are hearing story after story after story of people. They're catching new details in scripture, but they're also saying, man, I can just see that God is with me. So we're excited to celebrate that. And we're only in March. I can't wait to see what God is gonna do through all of us individually and collectively as a church family, as we commit ourselves to reading through God's word together. If you're behind, it is okay. Just start in Joshua today and keep up. Don't get discouraged. Let's keep going. There is power in God's word. Now, there's the third time that God says to be strong and courageous, and we find it in verse nine. He says this, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Listen to this, you guys. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is my favorite of the three because really what God is saying is, look, Joshua, I am committing you be strong and courageous. 
I will be with you no matter where you go, no matter what you face. I will be with you through whatever happens in the world that you can't explain. I will be with you when you're not having a great day. I will always be at your side. Don't be discouraged. Now, doesn't that sound awesome? Now, you might be thinking, well, that sounds great. That's great for Joshua. Good for him. What on earth does that have to do with me in 2021? Because if you haven't no noticed, Jerry, we're not actually taking possession of the promised land tomorrow or anytime this week. What does that have to do with my life? Well, I want you to stop and I want you to rewind 12 months. 12 months ago from today, would you be willing to admit that there might have been something big or small that's happened in the last 12 months that has been a little overwhelming, if not impossible at times? Has life not just seemed totally upside down like, I give up, I give in, I don't even know what to do next. And over the last 12 months, have you ever found yourself asking questions like, I don't know how I'm gonna survive this, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Because some of us have got to experience the, and I'm gonna put quotes on this one and I'm gonna use it loosely, joy of navigating e-learning with our kids, okay? The joy, the joy. For the joy set before us, e-learning was given to us, right? The joy of e-learning. And if you're a student, You've had to figure out how to learn virtually, and it's hard. I did my master's degree that way, and I hated it. It's hard. Some of us have had to try to build a career in an upside-down economy. Some of us are trying to figure out retirement. And some of us are learning how to be single in a world that's saying, hey, just stay away from everybody. And none of those things have been easy, right? And so at some point over the last year, have you found yourself asking questions like, man, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. It just feels like life is gonna swallow me whole right now. The fear is so tangible. What am I supposed to do now? What, what on earth is gonna happen next? And I bet there were times. I bet there were times when Joshua felt tired and weak and inadequate and insecure and frightened. I bet there were times that he wished he would get fired or demoted so somebody else could be the leader. Have you ever been there before? Like, just let somebody else do it, please, God. But here's the thing. This is the reality that Joshua could come back to. When God said, be strong and courageous, God was committing to keep his promises, to strengthen the people through his word, and to comfort them with his presence. So no matter what Joshua faced, no matter how hard it got, they could, he could come back to this and say, I remember when God said, be strong and courageous, and all of these things are true for me. But here's the kicker. Did God suggest that Joshua needed to be strong and courageous? If you go back and read it, he says, I am commanding you. I'm commanding you to be strong and courageous. Now think about that. And if that's true for Joshua, I think it's true for us. As followers of Jesus, God commands us to be strong and courageous, to have courage, which means that courage isn't a feeling. Courage is an action. Courage is a verb. Actually, it's a noun. I looked it up. It's not right. But you get like courage is something that you have to go and you have to do, right? And so even when we feel insecure, even when we feel unsure or afraid, you know what? As followers of Jesus, we can choose to have courage and obey God. And we can choose to be courageous. And I want you to think about this. This hit me this week. Courage is not the absence of fear. I have a friend that is a police officer and he told me, oh, I'm afraid all the time, but courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is choosing to act 
in the face of fear. No matter what is on the other side of that door, you got to have courage to go through. And here's the great thing. You can do that. It can actually get a little easier when you know that the God of the universe is on your side. That is what he is committing to Joshua, and I'm convinced that's what he's committing to us. And so it is going to take courage for each and every one of us to learn how to follow Jesus and live differently in this world. Pay attention. To follow Jesus and live differently in this world. Because without that, it really doesn't take courage. Because it takes courage to not go to the party, and it takes courage to know what your limits are. It takes courage to not sleep around when you're single, and it takes courage to remain faithful to your spouse when there are temptations all around you. It takes courage to admit that you have a problem with pornography or alcohol or drugs, and when you admit something like that, people, they might laugh at you, they might think you're weird, they might even tell you that you're weak, but it takes courage to live like that because you know that there's something better. It takes courage to stand up for the rights of orphans and immigrants and widows and unborn children. When people in the world are saying, why bother and you're wrong, it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to share your faith with your neighbor or your coworker or a classmate. And it takes courage to give up the perceived control that you and I think that we have over our finances so that we can learn to live generously and give God glory with everything that we have. Being a follower of Jesus means that we have to learn to have courage and obey him in every area of our lives the way he wants us to, not with our exceptions, but with the way he modeled for us. And I want to be honest with you, it takes courage for me as a pastor to stand up and talk with you guys today about this topic of money. And if you are new and you are visiting, and you're th- I know what you're thinking, dang it. Why did I have to come today? I knew it. This is what I hate about church. I want you to give us a chance because God is doing something amazing in this church family and you're kind of off the hook for this. You're just visiting. But if you are part of the Genesis family, I want you to pay really close attention, okay? One year ago, one year ago as a church family, we made this commitment to pursue the goals that Paul talked about earlier. And then the whole world started to shut down and we... I mean, honestly, we did not see it coming. I remember the Thursday where we were looking at each other like, we're not having services this weekend. What are we gonna do? And so we had to choose to be strong and courageous and to, consider, and to continue to pursue the path that we believed that God was calling us to. We could have waited for it to blow over. We could have waited for things to go back to normal. And a year later, I don't know when normal is gonna be normal again. And even though it didn't seem to make sense, we just thought we, we have got to push forward with this thing that God has given us. And here's what I want you to hear me say. This greater initiative, initiative that we're talking about for the next couple weeks, it's never been about money. It's all about helping people find their way back to God through a relationship with Jesus. That is what it is all about, 100%. And so Paul talked about this earlier, but we're boiling this greater initiative down to three very specific things. We want to make disciples, we want to reach our cities, and we want to change the world. Now, making disciples is one of the last commands that Jesus gave his followers before he left the earth. He said, I want you to make disciples. And here's what this means. That means I want you to follow me and I want you to go throughout your life and I want you to teach other people about me so that they become a follower and they can teach other people to follow me. That's what making disciples looks like. And that's what we're all about. If you wanna know what our goal for you is as a follower of Jesus here at Genesis, that is it on an individual level. And we're, we're committed to that corporately, but making disciples corporately also means we offer, offer worship services like this where we can come together 
and we can worship God and interact with God and one another together. It allows us to offer connection groups that meet in people's homes and in cafes all over our city to study God's word, to create environments where people can share their life together. It means we are committed to helping students and kids know who Jesus is and how to follow him, and it's increasing our outreach efforts locally and around the world. And so last year, we started putting numbers against these things. Our goal was to increase our annual operating budget by 2022 from $1.8 million to $2.1 million. And yeah, that helps pay our staff and keep the lights on, but actually it's so much bigger than that. We want to be financially equipped to do the things that we feel like God is calling us to do. Now remember, we launched into this a year ago and we knew COVID was a thing, but we did not know that we were gonna shut down. And so we had, on a Thursday afternoon, we had to make a decision to go online. We had avoided going online up to that point. It just wasn't, that's just not who we are. And because of guys like my friend, Joel Burkhead and Justin Tunmore and some amazing staff members, we went from a Thursday to a Sunday and we were online. We made a significant, over the last year, we have made a significant financial investment into going online. We broadcast out of this campus now. And we have been able to reach people from Illinois to Iraq and everywhere in between. Now, just by show of hands, how many of you have taken part in an online service over the last year? Yeah, we have too. And so I want you to know, if you've given a dollar to Genesis, you helped make that possible. We had never done that before, and it's really, really exciting. So that's what making disciples looks like. But we also wanna reach our cities. And we wanna have facilities that are able to be used and to bless our local communities when we're not using them. And so over the last few years, we have felt this calling that God is saying, we want, I want you to relocate the Noblesville campus. If you've been to the Noblesville facility, it's beautiful, but I wanna be honest with you, it is tired. Old girl is tired and old. <laughs> she needs a break. There has been water pipe breaks. Just earlier this week, we had a fire suppression pipe burst and it flooded the entire parking lot. And it's almost like God is saying, I have not forgot you. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous. There is always something breaking at that building, okay? And so our goal is to collect $3 million to help buy, purchase, or build a new facility. But $3 million isn't gonna get us all the way there. That is just the beginning of an investment. But I want you to know, we want that facility to be used to bless our local community. We want people to be able to come in there when we're not using it and to build some relationships with them along the way. Now, what is true in Noblesville is true here for Carmel. I am so thankful that we are right where we are on the corner of Meridian and Maine and Carmel. What an amazing location, you guys. And we have an amazing relationship with our landlords here. They are so good to us. But here's what we know. This piece of property could be sold at any moment in time and we would be on the clock. We'd have to relocate. There's new people joining us all the time and we could easily outgrow this facility. We'd have to add some services, but we could do it. So we're setting aside some funds now to be ready for that whenever that might happen. Paul said, we've got a million dollars in the bank for the Noblesville project. Well, we're setting aside $100,000 for Carmel just to be ready. Okay, so we're trying to plan for the future. And I think those things are really exciting. I can't wait to see how it's gonna come to fruition. The last part of this is we wanna change the world. And so we have set aside an additional $300,000 to give to our ministry partners in Albania and Ukraine and Haiti and in Myanmar. We wanna to continue to partner with local schools. And here's, here's something really cool that's going on in our church family right now. There is a movement of adoption and fostering and safe families 
and we want to be able to help people in the Genesis family that are helping in those ways. And so we've set up a fund to help families like that. And Paul said, we, last year we gave away $70,000 to our partners already, and we want to keep going. It is so fun, so fun and rewarding to be generous. But maybe you're thinking, okay, well, we talked about it a year ago. Do we have to talk about it getting this year? Yeah, it's a two-year initiative, and we're only halfway through. But I want to remind you, this is not about money. This is about helping people find their way back to God through a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to hear me say this. And if you are new or visiting, I don't want you to give anything until you believe that we're, we're, we're real about this. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. We are, more finan we are financially healthier than we've ever been because of the collective generosity of our church family, okay? And that's exciting. But I do want to share something with you, and not as a pastor, and not even as your friend, but just as a follower of Jesus. And I want you to hear my heart on this. I believe this is true. When we trust God with every ounce of our resources, our gifts, and our time, and our finances, what we're really saying is, God, we believe that you can do more than we can do with them. And he will, he will blow your mind and say, oh, guess what? I'll give you a gift that you never knew you had. I will, I will take your funds and I will stretch them further than you could ever imagine. And he, he loves doing it. And so I want to just share a little story from my family, okay? My wife and I are going to celebrate our 20th anniversary this July. And thankfully, when we were married, we were part of an amazing church in Louisville, Kentucky that taught us the value of tithing. Now, tithing, tithe, a tithe is an Old Testament, it's a Hebrew word that just means 10%. And we were taught to give 10% of our income to the church. So we started doing that before I was ever on staff at a church. That was just baseline. We, we would give 10% away. And you're thinking, 10%? You people are crazy. Like, what is the matter with you? You drank the Kool-Aid. Don't, like, why would you do that? We've just seen God do amazing things through the church, churches that we've been a part of that have done that. Now, this July also marks our four-year anniversary as a family here at Genesis. And so last year, when it came time for our family of six to think about our commitment to greater, we wanted to practice being strong and courageous by increasing our giving from 10% to 15%. And I am only telling you that for one reason, because I would not dare ask you to be a part of this unless you knew exactly what my family is willing to sacrifice. And I want you to know it's been a really scary and uncertain year, but God has taken amazing care of the Neville family. We, we actually are loving practicing generosity. It's so much fun. We get to host people in our home that have become like family to us. We get to bless single parents anonymously, and we get so much joy out of it. We've been able to give to organizations like the Cooper House that are helping foster families. We love it. We talk about it. Like I, our kids got giving statements this last year. I thought that was so cool because they gave for the first time. But that's just our story. We are hearing all kinds of stories of people in our church family that are selling their possessions. Some of them have given stock and mutual funds to buy into this, not buying, that's a terrible way to say it, to give to the greater vision. Scratch that from the tape, please. <laughs> One family refinanced their mortgage and gave an additional one-time gift of $10,000 because they're like, we're, we're in. We believe in what you guys are doing. Some people have become more generous. Some of you have given for the very first time. And can I just tell you, that's so exciting. We love celebrating that with you. But I want to share the story of, of some friends of mine here at the Carmel campus. This is their story of generosity. 
They say, our family has attended Genesis for almost four years, and we love Genesis Church. So when Paul introduced this greater initiative last year, we knew we wanted to be a part of whatever God had in store for the future of Genesis. But it was difficult because we're small business owners. We, don't, we can't really project what we're going to make because it's not set. And up to that point, our family had practiced tithing, giving 10% on a regular basis, but we knew whatever we would write on our greater commitment card would be a step of faith of God's provision for our business and our family. And then a global pandemic hit, and it changed everything for everyone. And we were attending worship services in our living room like everyone else, but we still felt called to submit our commitment card for greater. So we projected our giving for the next two years based on our income in 2019, and we also plan to give an extra gift sometime within that two-year window. We put some numbers on a greater commitment card, but unfortunately, we never submitted the card. At that time, some projects had been delayed. There was a, na a national financial crisis looming, but we continued to give to Genesis. We just didn't turn in the card, and it was challenging year in so many ways. And it was like one day after another. We're just trusting God to fill in the gaps. But late last fall, as we were evaluating our work for the year, we were amazed by the way God had provided for our business and our family because somehow God had managed to take the number that we wrote on our commitment card that we didn't turn in and he multiplied it. And last year we were able to give an amount almost equal to what we thought we would be able to give over the span of two years. As God provided faithfully to our family throughout the year, we simply chose to give faithfully because we believed it was always his in the first place. We, don't know what God, we didn't know what God had planned for last year, and we don't know what God had planned for this year, but we fully expect God to literally do greater things than we could ask or imagine. Now, that's a cool story. That's a family saying, we're just going to go for it. We're going to see what God can do. And if you have a story like that, it doesn't matter how big or small it is, we'd love to hear it. You can email the story to us at info at genesischurch.me. We love sharing generosity stories. If you weren't here for greater, Paul mentioned this, you'll have a chance to commit to that on uh, Sunday, March 21st. If you're new or visiting, I just want you guys to see if, we're, if we are really about the things we're about. Okay, you're off the hook. But I would, I would really want you to consider being, join us on this journey. It's going to be exciting and fun. There's a table in the lobby. We're giving away free greater shirts. You can take one, find your size, take some for your family. There's information out there. Find me or Kevin or one of our staff members afterwards. We'd love to answer any questions you have. I want to invite you to a vision and worship night that's taking place here at the Carmel campus on Tuesday, March the 16th at 7 p.m. We're going to broadcast this for our online family. We're going to worship God, we're going to pray, and we're just going to say, God, we believe that this is where you got us. So we want to take some time worshiping him and talking about this vision a little bit more. But I want to be really, really, really clear about this, okay? We want to challenge everybody that considers Genesis to be their church home to be strong and courageous. Our main objective here, our main objective is 100% engagement. That means every man, woman, and child that considers Genesis to be their church home, taking a next step in generosity, whatever that step might be. Because this is not about money. It is about helping people find their way back to God through a saving relationship with Jesus. Now, speaking of Jesus, we're learning this every week. When you read the book of Joshua this week, you're gonna find Joshua, God did some amazing things through Joshua and in his life. But I want you to hear me say this, Jesus is the better Joshua. Joshua. 
Jesus is the better Joshua. And I, this blew my mind. I, I've read this passage before, but I wanna share something with you I discovered in studying Joshua this week. Remember how God said, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And we put this slide up that says, God had committed to keep his promises, to strengthen his people, and to comfort them with his presence. This is exactly what God has promised to do for us when we put our faith in Jesus. Jesus himself has said, along with every writer of the New Testament, that when we admit we are like the Israelites and we are stubborn and we rebel against God, our sins are forgiven. And I want you to pay attention to this. This is what God has promised to do for us when we put our faith in Jesus. He promises to give us eternal life through Jesus. He promises to strengthen us through his word. And he promises to live inside of us by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's the same promise. It's just the New Testament version of it. And so for those of us that follow Jesus, we should find comfort in that and knowing we can be strong and courageous because God is by our side and he is living inside of us. He will give us what we need to live out this mission. But if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you've never really surrendered to him, then I want you to hear me say this. Today is an opportunity for you to be strong and courageous by putting your trust in Jesus. You can be strong and courageous by admitting that you are weak and you are sinful apart from Christ. And you can be strong and courageous by accepting Jesus' offer to pay for your sins. And you can be strong and courageous by being baptized into him when we celebrate baptisms on Easter. It is going to be a party and we would love for you to be a part of it. It just takes a simple step of being strong and courageous and surrendering your faith to him. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship together. And the song that we're going to worship together is a powerful, upbeat, exciting song about how God fights for us when we agree to pray and put our trust in him. So as I pray, I just want you to think about what your next step would be like. What would it look like for you to be strong and courageous with God standing right at your side? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. I am thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful for these ancient stories that remind us we can be strong and courageous. You are faithful to, you were faithful to Joshua the same way that you were faithful to Moses. You said, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You don't have to worry. I am guaranteeing your success. I just want you to trust me. I will keep my promises. I want you to be committed to my word and I want you to trust that my presence is with you. Holy Spirit, would you help us to embrace that promise here at Genesis? Every single one of us, would you help us to live generous lives to make the name of Jesus known? And I pray for any of my friends tuning in online or that are in the room with us that have never crossed the line of faith, that have never been baptized into you, that have never surrendered and said, I have just messed things up. Holy Spirit, would you help them to be strong and courageous by admitting they're weak and their strength is found in you? Holy Spirit, would you move in this room as we worship you in just a moment? Not that we would get emotional, but we would experience the joy that comes of knowing the words that we're about to sing are real and they are true. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your great name we pray. Let's stand and worship our great God together this morning.